Okay. But is this where you usually stay? I usually don't sit here. I'm in the shelter. Oh, okay. But I've been out in the shelter from the shelter for a little while. Okay. Good sure. Why have you been out from the shelter? Huh? Why? Why out from the shelter? Oh, I have a problem. You know, I mean, they don't allow my sleeping bags. They allow their own blankets. There are some restrictions that I can't. I'm also a substance user. Yeah. You know, and I'm just having a little problem, so I just took out for a few weeks. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of. It doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. How's it going, dude? Nice to meet you. Uh, Apex influence on homelessness can most notably be seen from the increased sweeps the police are doing within Apex zones. People are losing their valuables and have to be on the move. Javi works with the Coalition on Homelessness, which connects unhoused people with resources for permanent living solutions. As we go through alleyways that are usually heavily populated, we'll discuss the city's response to homelessness in relation to Apex and compare it to the resources the community actually needs. You haven't seen the what? The UN Plaza like that before. In terms of it being like with people playing ping pong and stuff? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. all those outdoor things. Yeah. I was uh, talking to some guys the other day and they were like, this is the first time that we've seen like this area usable and they're like working out on this stuff. I know, it's a trip. Yeah. It's interesting to see people out. I mean, I was just talking to somebody and I don't know if this is true but it's yeah. like they got the park rangers there now too yeah dude i was talking to them yesterday yeah and federal I'm, yeah yeah so i'm thinking it's like someone said like well it's, it's a skate park so they redesignated them to their i don't know i think they they may have redesignated some areas to be federal land at least for this conference so they have jurisdiction over it because they can like they're, they said, like, yeah, we're going to crack hard, like down harder than yeah. San Francisco police yeah. have done uh, in the past. Yeah, because they, they got real embarrassed about that linkage center. What, what happened with Lincoln Center? <laughs> well, the, they had, during the pandemic, I think, they yeah. had, like, a, they opened up the Tenderloin Linkage Center in the UN Plaza, right? So yeah. it was a place where people would go for, like, resources and stuff, you know? But we went to a pretty... Uh, pretty decent sized encampment last time, which was like pretty much the only people we encountered, but it was yeah. like 10 folks. And it was unclear whether like folks, whether they were gonna come back. To that to, area? Yeah, or no, whether like the city workers, like the police were gonna come back yeah. and hot because people hadn't been offered shelter and stuff. So I'm interested what their, about their placement too, because yeah. they're like, right 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 outside the zone so what wait what, what's the zone um that uh i was just gonna look it up right here because i get confused about where the traffic route like rerouting yeah. thing ends and when the actual zone of the conference begins so let me double check this and so okay so it's the zone of the conference and is there like certain like rules about because Apex happening, certain things have to happen with the people that would usually be there. Yeah, so like it starts at market. Can I see um, can I see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so that's the zone where it's like, you ha where like basically people are being moved out. Yeah, so from 2nd Street to 5th Street okay. is, uh, yeah. But what, has, what we've seen is that like, down the major blocks that are leading up to the zone, they're completely like cleared. Um, and it was just, it's an opportunity for the city to um, have expanded shelter beds because they're yeah. taking so much different precautions for the folks who are attending the conference. Mm -hmm. But for the low income people in the Soma area and in, in and around that zone, it's a huge inconvenience about like day to day um, to trying to get around yeah, the city. Right. yeah or like getting food or medicine yeah. delivered it's like people have to do it on foot and like to get to places that they need that they use every day it's like it's bad for them too but for us we're experiencing it as just a, a another a sweep another sweep opportunity but this time they're not focusing on shelter and so what is like when when people say <laughs> yeah, they, they always protest this place. What is this place? Uh, this is for, uh, this is a hotel. So it's hotel workers that are uh, often protesting because they like do unionizing. Or, yeah, lo uh, local too. So when you, uh, when like, when they organize these sweeps, have they organized sweeps like this before? The most comparable thing that, uh, that people are, highlighting is like the 2016 um, Super Bowl um, event when it came to uh, to Levi's Stadium the people around that area were displaced in a pretty harsh way right when you um, say harsh like what does that mean communities tent encampments were scattered yeah. um, so like folks had a hard time like navigating however long you know that event you know that was probably several days yeah. Also, it was a logistical problem for homeless people because the city um, would prioritize getting some people around that area into shelter beds and kick other people off the wait list. And so it's, so like, it's just like, like, like randomly, basically? Yeah. yeah, so it was an opportunity for them to expand yeah. shelter then, but instead of expanding it, they just did musical chairs with people's uh, Lives. So where do people go? Like like when when they when they do a sweep like they're doing now with APEC and they're we're like they're moving people from one area to where? Is it always to a shelter or no, 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 that's the problem, right? So like the frustrating part about sweeps in general is that um, the the street cleaning, which is necessary, right? Street cleaning is necessary, results in folks just shuffling from one alley to the next, right? Yeah just like alleys out of sight. So yeah. it's not it's not like like APEC isn't isn't being used as an opportunity for San Francisco to really think about housing. It's just like right. let's just move people out of sight right. into these alleyways. Yeah, and it's like really sweeping people under the rug, right? Yeah. Because it's about hiding hiding homeless people for a week and not seriously like not seriously confronting the issue um, you know afterwards right it seems though that like like i guess like I've, I've talked to just san franciscans that don't really i maybe understand everything that's going on and just see the streets being cleaner and they're like happy about it do you think there is any actually like like good being done or it's just gonna it's it's like you're suppressing it just for a moment and it's just gonna burst up again i think that 
people who are like cheering that they don't see homeless people for a week are uh, operating in bad faith. Yeah. Because because um, because they're saying, wow, look how aesthetically nice this is. Um, why can't they be like this all the time? Yeah. Uh, you see what happens when uh, we put our best foot forward and we uh, show people that we, we're a good place for tourism. Yeah. Um, they, they know that this is temporary. Yeah. They know that it doesn't work to just tell a homeless person to move because they're still homeless. Yeah. It's like the idea of housing people doesn't even come into their mind, right? Like yeah. if, if they do offer... Uh, like some kind of shelter. What we experience with talking to folks is that there's like a notion that the city has been pushing in response to the injunction and to the lawsuit that we have is that people are, uh, are who are voluntarily homeless. Um, Can you explain uh, that term? Shoot. What do you mean voluntarily yeah, homeless? So, okay, so we, got, uh, we were granted the injunction uh, after we filed the lawsuit to stop the city from doing sweeps until like the trial. Um, and so what the city tried to do and has been doing is uh, highlighting the term voluntary and involuntary homelessness. Um, because what they have been saying is that if you're involuntarily homeless, then you weren't offered shelter and you can't be told to move. They can deem you voluntarily homeless if they have it listed that they offered you a shelter bed ah, and you refused. Refused it. Okay. But what we're arguing is that, and what we have been talking to folks about and learning is that the shelter offers that they give are often inappropriate, like most of the time. Inappropriate uh, how? So like, for, for example, like if someone is living outside, they've been living in the same place or same area for a long time and they have a pet, and that shelter bed that day doesn't allow pets. Yeah, just like meeting people's specific needs um, is how you get people to like uh, to really gain stability. You know? Yeah, just like meeting people's specific needs um, is how you get people to like to really gain stability. You know? So, because you've done a lot of outreach, I'm curious how how you actually go about doing that. Um, but I was talking to this guy, Del, Del Seymour from Code Tenderloin right, right. the other day. And he's like, one of the questions that he asked people is like, what do you need to get off the street? Rather than just prescribing like, this is what you need. So what, what are some of the reasons that people give? Get, um, of why they're like, uh, one, well, I guess why they're on the street and then oh, two, right. what they need to get off the street. Right. Well, that's a good question. Um, and it's something that we talk to our housed neighbors about, I mean, like our housed uh, allies about, and our potential housed allies, um, is that like, you know, I'm, I work full time and uh, I'm a paycheck away from like being on the street. Yeah. You know I mean? Like if I, I can't afford to, to miss a paycheck because rent is incredible. Is, right, it's is, crazy. Is, is it's insane, right? Yeah. So it's like, uh, as a, as a umbrella, it's like rent is not going down. It's only going up. You know, there's a lot of structural issues at, at play there, but um, but yeah, a lot of people say like uh, have walked in and said I had a medical emergency and I couldn't afford it, 
because um, I didn't have insurance and then I was out of a job. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different reasons that people um, lose their housing. And then once you lose, I think the big problem is once you lose your housing, getting it back is almost really impossible. Hard. Um, yeah, because, it's like how do you how do you get a job from that point? Right, right. If you're not able to keep yourself clean, exactly, or, right. So, um, or yeah, for sure. I mean, substance use is not. I was I, actually just talking initially about oh, just like physically, like yeah, substance take use, your shower, yeah. but yeah, also right, right. I guess like yeah, like it's, I said, parlays into substance yeah, use. Like right. it's a, what? Um, it's a result in the and the it's a cause in the a result of, of homelessness. Yeah, I, I actually I'm I'm curious about that too. So, do you think like Homelessness precedes substance abuse, or substance abuse precedes homelessness. It's. I think it's both. Mm -hmm. um, I, like you've uh, seen both cases. For sure. I yeah. mean, you know, if you are having any kind of behavioral health disorder, you know that can jeopardize your your housing. Yeah. Um, yeah even in like apartments, like around the city and stuff, you know. So yeah, San Francisco has really good tenant protections compared to to other, um, other cities, cities, but to get housing is impossible for a lot of folks. You know? Yeah. Do you think San Francisco has enough beds to house people? No. So mm -hmm. they, they, cause it's not, there's like what? 7,000 uh, unhoused people in San Francisco currently or 7,000, like 800 or something like that. Um, do you know how many unused beds there are in San Francisco? I, I, I don't have that. I don't have that number yeah. on me either. And it's kind of in flux sometimes. Yeah, uh, I'm curious what that would be. Yeah, and I think there we have been like trying to do some work around requesting that information yeah. and having it made public. Like I, I'm sure other folks have done like sunshine requests yeah. um, about like specifically which availability is there because yeah. another frustrating thing at sweeps is going back to the specificity of an offer, right? Yeah. So when folks come around, like, you know, the 13, 14 person crews that they send that have San Francisco PD, the fire person has a crew chief, uh, uh, DPW sends like two trucks, MTA is out there to, to block the traffic. Um, the Department of Emergency Management, sometimes the Department of Public Health is out there. So you've got about like 14, 15 like city shifts getting dedicated to sweeps every day. And like, what if some of that money went into housing? Right, like mm. that's why money always goes into like law enforcement and not into housing because we think we can throw police at the housing problem yeah. every time. And that's not addressing like root causes. Right, and the police shouldn't even be at these sweeps, right? Mm. Because the sweeps aren't violent. The violence that's getting uh, perpetrated is the city like stamping on people's rights by confiscating the property and threatening them with a citation or arrest, um, even if they don't have another place to go. You know? So this is uh, this is uh, like a, a controversial take that I've heard, and I'm curious <laughs> your take on this. Um, so this is like from. I remember hearing this take like from a friend who went to like Berkeley like ages ago mm -hmm. and he was like uh, at a certain point we should say like no one should live in these conditions and should force people into housing mm -hmm. even if it like like if it doesn't um, fit all their needs hmm. because it, because like in restoring human decency you have to take away rights. I think maybe that, like, or like freedoms, 
which is super controversial, but I'm curious like how you would respond to that. Well, I think that that is an interesting idea in that I'm trying to picture it without those like that like compulsory housing. It sounds like a really, really nice way to say jail. Jail, yeah, exactly. No, no. <laughs> no, that's a really good is, point. But I mean, even for people like I mean, this has come up in a in a in a certain way um, that has been tried by certain supervisors, board of supervisors, um, to be passed as like the you know to expand the like fifty one fifty. Um, What's that? So like for folks who. Uh, get who experience like psychiatric emergencies yeah um and if they're a danger to themselves or to others or they're deemed that they're held for like three days yeah and then given like an evaluation and, and so a lot of times it's like people coming down from substances so they're almost like detoxing and getting like some kind of treatment and then they're just kind of let out um but if you 5150 them then i think you have uh, you, you have you can hold hold people for longer Right. So, which then just becomes like, like it's a mental jail. health jail, yeah. right? So it's yeah. like uh, that. See, that has been a controversial uh, thing for us too, because if folks are a real threat to themselves or others, and they've been deemed that way by and evaluated by that in that way, you know, of course, there's situations where people, you know, are rightfully fifty-one fifty. Yeah. But I think to, I think it what people are concerned about any kind of forced city action is like, like when this, does it this, stop? Uh, this alley's usually this alley's usually got a bunch of folks and uh, you can you can see right down like straight down and the you, whole you haven't been able to do that beforehand no 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 it's like these alleys are are places where it's like uh, where, where people go for refuge when they get swept so it's like if you, you're set up on the street. So then where are they going? If, they, if, they, if these are the places that they go when they get swept. A lot of people are on the freeway. Uh, like they're, I mean, like a lot of times people know when to lay low because it's like a lot of the same DPW, a lot of the same like police officers. So, you know, and people get swept so frequently. They know that they need to like lay low as far yeah. as like being in a big group. And... Uh, so yeah, they just like like go to the alleys for a little bit, kind of more isolated places. So where, and then they move like, back. where are where where is everyone right now? Where is it like where where where, where they, have they gone? I think they just kind of fractured and went to see. When you're living on the street, you would have to be able to, you know, be familiar with, you know, what shop owners call the cops more than others, right? And like that's why it's so important to have like encampment communities because they really watch out for each other and like. Um, you know, warn people about certain areas or say like, oh yeah, the cops are always there, don't go there. So, like, I think, yeah, they're just fractured, but, uh, so you won't see like large encampments, but, you know, we're seeing random tents like pop like here and there. And, you know, the isolation factor is real, you know? Yeah. Uh, Something I was hearing uh, uh, Dell say as well yesterday is like, when you're on the street, it's actually like a very extremely social yeah, experience because rather than being in your room surrounded by four walls, yeah. you're like seeing people, you know, like cross by you absolutely, every day. Absolutely. And so there is like a big community aspect. And I think like what you just said, 
confirms that. It's like, it's like, like you're you do, everywhere you go, no matter what situation you are in, you want to be um, around people. What are what, what what is this? I've been seeing a lot of like tin foil around oh. the area. Uh, tin foil is a just a, a kind of a platform people use to to mix their substances in, yeah. and uh, so it could be it, it, it could be different different tracks. Those are kind of like the harder ones, but uh, yeah, tin I've foil been seeing is a lot of tin foil. Like are people like heating up tin foil yeah, yeah yeah so it's like it's it's just so easily accessible you know yeah so uh, what what are the drugs that people like are like that you're seeing on the street right now uh i mean usually actually i forgot it this time but usually when we do outreach like we bring narcan yeah um because yeah there's a lot of heroin there's a lot of crack um yeah methamphetamine is big um but then you know the, the the huge one is anything getting mixed with fentanyl you know or or you know using fentanyl in general is fentanyl something people seek out or do you think fentanyl is something people avoid uh well, a lot of people avoid it yeah people are scared of it they know people who have uh who have overdosed or passed away who've used fentanyl um some people do seek it out because they're like longtime users and it's like super, super potent. Yeah. Uh, and some folks do want to avoid it, but it gets mixed in and they can't really. Uh, some people say. don't have access to Narcan. It's only recently that like people have, like people have been equipped with Narcan. Yeah. Uh, and Narcan is basically something that like diffuses the opioid. Yeah. Does it like? Like if, if you were to overdose, it, it just helps. It's like harm reduction basically. Yeah, so I guess it's like, I don't know the exact, and that's actually interesting because the encampment we're going to is uh, right outside the harm reduction therapy center. They do some really great work. And what when you say encampment, what does that usually mean? Uh, it's just a group of tents yep. basically. And like people kind of come and go. Um, not everybody at the tents are like, uh, you know, live there. But people kind of bounce from encampment to encampment, so yeah, yeah. That guy should remember me the other day. I forgot exactly yeah. what. Yeah, and I talked to him before, um, but he's kind of popping in and in and around and stuff. Yeah. So. But yeah, there's another one, Merlin, which I think is that one. Yeah. Do you know like a lot of people's like names out here too? Uh, sometimes when we go to so many, it's just yeah. like tough. Hey, hey. Is anybody in there? It's Javi, Coalition on Homelessness. Oh, this just looks like tough. Hey, hey. How's it going, sir? Hey, my name's Javi. Uh, I'm with the Coalition on Homelessness. Oh. Uh, you know, I've just been going around here. We've been walking around. Like, uh -huh. have, you, have you heard about like the APEC conference that's going on? Yeah. Did, yeah. did they have folks uh, like police or our hot team come around here and like tell you you had to move or anything? No, no. Oh, okay. I mean, hot team did come by and they uh -huh. are getting into some of the information. Yeah. But no police, police do. Police roll by in their car. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, I'm a San Francisco living here 30 years. Yeah. So I know. No, I haven't been bothered. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, because, you know, like, 
because I know I know that uh, yeah. that thing is going on. Yeah. Uh, have, have you heard of other? But they haven't told you to like move or anything. Is that because that's is that? Where yeah, that's not mine. But oh, okay. there are other people that are here. Yeah. You know, there's another guy and a girl that was here just a minute ago. Oh yeah. I think they are there. They were. They had a tent over there. Oh okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because we were we were trying to see if like if folks were being told to move. I think you're right outside the zone of yeah. where the conference is. So. Okay. But is this where you usually stay? I usually don't sit here. I'm in the shelter. Oh, okay. But I've been out in the from the shelter for a little while. Okay. For sure. Why have you been out from the shelter? Huh? Why why out from the shelter? Oh, I have a problem. You know, I mean, they don't allow my sleeping bag. They allow their own. There are some restrictions that I can't. I'm also self-confused, you know, and I'm just having a little problem, so I just took out for a few weeks. Because I just got here, and I'm just trying to reach out. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't catch your name, though. Alvin. 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 Huh? Javi. Javi? Yes. Good to meet you, Sam, nice to meet you. For sure. Thank you. When he said, like, uh, I'm a substance user, so I've had like a little problems with the shelter. Do a lot of shelters not allow that um, you have to be like clean to enter yeah, the shelter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. But I mean, you definitely can't use there. Yeah. But then that's where it gets tricky because you have to check in every 48 hours. Otherwise, you lose your spot. He was like very open, just like, oh yeah, I'm using. Yeah, yeah. Is that something that you see a lot of people pretty open about? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. Um, because I think a lot of like advocacy, there's a lot of advocacy groups around like the reduction of stigma. So like, for example, in San Francisco has uh, the drug users union. Is it people who are currently using drugs? Yeah. So they're like, wait, cur currently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, like I know folks who are in it. And they, uh, yeah, they advocate for like stigma reduction, um, you know, uh, what kind of dr needle like exchanges drugs are, are like, oh, the like whole game. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. From cocaine, crack, heroin, methamphetamine, fentanyl. And what are they when, when they say like, we're in support of like the destigmatization, destigmatization of these drugs? Are they saying like all these drugs should be allowed across the board? Are they like, basically looking for decriminalization of all drugs or like what what's their what's the angle of what they're looking for um i think they would say that like harm reduction is about like facing the reality that people use drugs and that not everybody who uses drugs um or even like frequents it enough to be labeled um, an addict is like struggling with their addiction. Like some people are really highly functioning. Some, so basically they're like, some people don't struggle with addiction. Right, yeah. So they're addicted, like, but they're not struggling. That's, I mean, that's how it is, right? And some everybody's body reacts differently, right? So it's like, um, but also at the same you time- you see like, I mean, like, I, like you walk around San Francisco and you see like so many people really, really struggling. I think mainly because of addiction. Yeah, so for sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that like, is that something that they acknowledge as well? Yeah, for sure. And it's like the, like, it kind of goes back to like these reinforcing, uh, like, like these intersecting problems that come out that, that results in addiction, right? So it's like, 
yeah, it could be that somebody lost their housing and then started to become addicted and then they can't get housing again. So they, like it exacerbates it and it's hard to get into treatment. So like yeah. at the same time as they're saying like we should reduce stigma, we're also saying like we need to expand treatment access for the people who do want it. Right. Exactly. So, so what is this area we're about to go into? So this is Merlin. Um, and it was an alley where we found a lot of folks last time. There's a little less this time. We walked all down 7th uh, last last week before this. And then so today and, and up 6th and stuff. There's almost no one on the way, like even in the alleys yeah. uh, going down 7th. I think we saw one tent yeah, coming I mean, down on sixth. I'm just like, where is everyone we found going? Them, but this is all the folks that we found. And then, yeah, they they just spread out that way. It was actually interesting because when, when we went up to the Embarcadero, so we went all across market, like all around the zone, you know? Yeah. And so like when we went up there, we ran into this guy who was on like 4th Street. Yeah. And he was literally asking us like, because we had the map, and he was literally asking us like, okay, so this is the zone? okay, what's the closest I can get to the zone without them like screwing with me? And we were like, I guess second street. And he's yeah. like, cool, I'm gonna go to like third street. You know, so it was like, people- So people, people know, people, people are know. very like- uh, Aware. Yeah, if you've been swept once, you've been swept like probably- A dozen like, times. times. So when you go to like those areas, what what are like some of the questions that you ask to see the, how you can help? Um, typically, for a sweep, uh, that wasn't today, I mean, conference thing. Um, a, a scheduled sweep, we go up and we say, uh, we ask, were you given like notification? Uh, and we look around for notices because they're supposed to be told three days in advance. Oh, uh, really? Mm-hmm. And so, so there's notices to... by the city that's saying, hey, we're doing a sweep of this area? Yeah, they used to, uh, they would post, uh, they're supposed to post three day notices three days in advance that they're gonna sweep the area. Yeah. And then on the notices, it like spells out what their, what the procedure is, yeah. which is uh, that they can come back, that if they're not in their tent, but their stuff has to be moved, their property has to be moved, yeah. that they bag it, and then they tag it with the information about when and where they can pick up their stuff, right. which is like a big source of contention that we have. Uh, in the city's practices because uh, people would get their stuff either thrown away or just confiscated and they can't find it. Actually, a lot of people have uh, filed like administrative claims yeah. um, because they figured out like at small claims, that's the only way you can like kind of itemize what you were what you what was taken from them. So some people- So can have been you, do people win in, yeah, in small claims court? Some people have this? been, wow. yeah, like uh, I think we, we've helped folks uh, through the, we put a packet together that kind of goes through like the legal process. Yeah. It's like, it takes a long time, but we've had, like, we just don't have the capacity to like help folks. All 7,000 yeah, people. Be yeah. be because like, once like that started being known of a thing. Everyone started doing it. Everybody came in and was like, they took this stuff, they took that yeah, stuff, yeah. and we're just like. They took my Ferrari. Yeah, for <laughs> real, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, I, I was literally just talking to somebody yesterday who's, uh, tent was taken out and it was it had his uh hep c medicine in oh. so it's like uh, i got stuff like you actually need yeah right or like the last picture you have with somebody that you love you know like yeah. at the sweeps we asked them if they were given notices yeah. if they had any property taken um 
Were they offered shelter? Everyone who was swept is offered shelter. No. So everyone who's swept is listed as being offered shelter, but they can kind of mark off half attempts. What, what we're saying is that they can mark off half attempts at- uh, Right, with uh, the whole like, oh, if you're in a wheelchair, you have a top of Right, yeah, yeah. I see. But at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, how, how much are you gonna uh, be inclined to offer, I mean, to accept a shelter offer with five policemen like hovering around yeah, like, right yeah, next like to you. you want to go into yeah, the shelter right, or you want to right, move? Right. right. Well, you want us, us to go away? <laughs> Maybe you take the shelter. So like, yeah, it's like, it's a very like intimidating presence that they have and they do that on, they do that on purpose, right? So, so uh, that's one thing. And then, yeah, we ask them, did they tell you that you can come back, right? Um, and that's like a huge thing that we have been trying to you know, that we've been going back and forth with the city about, which is, uh, uh, which is that like, what we found out is that the police and the DPW, who are like the main component of these, uh, of these teams that, yeah. that do the operations, um, they are not given training. Right? On how like, to do this properly. Of, of how to like yeah. do it this properly. And then as a, just on the whole, like how to deal with folks who are unhoused, you know? Yeah, what do you think of the, uh, so I mean, there's like massive gates over there <laughs> sectioning off the city. I was just here Sunday. Uh, well, what, do you, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I spoke at the rally and, and they- uh, Which rally? It was, uh, yeah, Sunday they started at the Embarcadero is the note to APEC rally with the, yeah. uh, and then it was combined with the folks uh, protesting uh, for for Gaza. So it was pretty big. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they went from the Embarcadero and we marched down to and you the spoke Moscone that? Center. Yeah, yeah. What did you say? <laughs> uh, just that, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's really bad that they cleared like these homeless encampments and like you won't see any homeless people for a week, um, you know, because they're being swept away and, and hidden. But uh, these problems will still persist. And also what's going on inside the conference, which is like gonna result in homeless people uh, being screwed over even more. And then of course- What do you think is going on inside the conference that will contribute to that? It's all the, the most powerful, wealthy, elite CEOs and yeah. uh, you know, like state officials. That and you can see the wealth and power if yeah. you look at the motorcades. Yeah, for I sure. I literally saw a 40 car motorcade the other day. Like, right? like, I kid you not, like like, like just row after row of cars and, and motorcycles. And like, there is a lot of, there's like probably millions of dollars being put into Absolutely. security alone for just yeah. one of these people. Right, exactly. There's the barriers right there. Yeah, they're basically just coming up with more economic agreements and the, the way that we got into this crisis of homelessness was through like the constant barrage of like free trade and like trickle down economics uh, got Why us to where we are today. A lot of cities around the US point to San Francisco and are like, look at San Francisco, uh, uh, they have like the most liberal policies, yet the most homelessness. Mm -hmm. 
um, how would you how do you like how would you respond to that and like how, how is it more I guess more complex than just that statement liberal policies are not very good in general uh, you know I definitely don't like conservative policies but um, my experience in San Francisco is that even within like as a whole we tend to vote more progressively yeah um, than other cities certainly um, but within the city there are still like you know even though we call them it's the moderates versus the progressives yeah. I think it's I, I think there's a lot more uh, elements of like right-wing corporate influence that like that show how much power you can exert even though you don't have the numbers mm. so like yeah we we will vote for progressive measures on the state and national level but there's a lot of local um ballot measures that like that don't get national attention but really fundamentally uh squeeze like vulnerable populations like for example yeah. on the ballot we have coming up in march um you know in an effort to address the uh opioid crisis you know on the ballot it's gonna be we, we have to vote whether people have to do mandatory uh you know, drug treatment and testing uh, in order to get their GA benefits. What's GA? Their general assistance benefits. So folks who get welfare benefits, now you have to take a drug test to get your benefits. Right. So they're trying to save a little bit of money and crack down on folks who they say, oh, all they do is spend their money on drugs, so let's not give them any money and see what, see how they like that. So it's like a punitive measure that, like, I that I thought we left in the 80s with the drug war, right? Is there like a, like, do you think like a, a like a solution would be guided ways that the money can be, I mean, you have like food stamps and stuff, like, or like, you know, housing stipends. Like, do you think that is a solution to still give benefits to those people, but protect against that being spent on, on drugs? There was, a measure that I think when Governor Newsom was the mayor, so he tried to do this thing, or he did this thing where instead of, it was called care, not cash, where it was the same same kind of deal. Yeah. Care, not cash, what was, yeah. that, what was that meant to do? It was the same, the same, same deal, idea. like uh, that people will, like, instead of the money that people get um, monthly from the city, that you could get into like outpatient treatment or yeah. inpatient treatment or something like that, more accessible. And so on his face, it sounds, sounds it good. sounds okay, but a lot of folks are, are just gonna get punished for having drugs in their system when they're trying to get their GA stuff. And yeah, I mean, there are definitely cases where and folks how like- how do you think they are punished? So the punishment would just be not getting the money. Right. Because they would have to change the treatment options that we have and the amount of treatment access that folks can like grab, yeah. uh, we'd have to change our whole system for that to work. Because some people are gonna go into treatment and it won't be the right type of treatment. So one thing that we've been pushing for a really long time is uh, the safe consumption sites. And where those things are is like kind of what the Tenderloin Lincoln Center that I was talking about earlier was supposed to em emulate, right? So it's like we, have been pushing for 
safe consumption sites for decades, right? And like we've seen in like Vancouver and then in like Portugal, I think, like the decriminalization of, of drug use um, just makes people safer, you know? I imagine it definitely helps to uh, de-risk like the chance of dying or seriously like injuring yourself or diseases. Yeah. But yeah. how does it address the core thing of like people are becoming in, in America more addicted to drugs than ever before? Right. So I think like what um, the, the biggest like notion that people who are detractors of safe consumption sites is that like they imagine uh, a safe injection site to be a place that would resemble like how they think a crack house would look. Right. Right. Where people are just, here's here's a little, here's base. Here's yeah. like, uh, no one can touch me. Yeah. If I'm here, I can do all the drugs I want and there's no rules. But actually right there at Glide Memorial, some years back, we were so close to getting uh, a safe, a safe consumption site. And Glide Memorial put one together, like a like a try or mock uh, safe consumption site. So I toured it. And what they explained was that they got a full behavioral health medical staff, people with lived experience with uh, drug use, who would also be there to help supervise uh, people's use. Uh, and then you have like a place where you can enjoy, <laughs> enjoy your high, yeah. right? Uh, which is just called like the cool room or the chill room, where you just like have a place where you can sit and people are around in case, you know, you do like have an overdose it's like there's someone there right you. exactly because right now what happens is it's like people are in in camps right. who are using they look out for each other when they use right yeah. like the safe consumption site um also is there examples of it um so you, you mentioned the safe consumption sites in vancouver yeah. being successful yeah is vancouver like like how, how is their opiate crisis right now i mean i think the numbers like slightly lower and then just leveled out though. Like no, it, people didn't, people weren't Becoming, more comfortable with yeah. addiction than before. They just know they had a place to go. And also like the, the biggest component that is left out of the resources is it's not just like medical staff, you got housing experts at those places, right? So it would be like a really dynamic, you know, place where it's like, people can go there for a shower, right? They can go there for like- It's like services it's for services, the- yeah. Uh, the most vulnerable population. Yeah, it's like yeah. that's essentially. Yeah. And so if and some you people were use to... just to like, just because the withdrawals are, are bad, are just so bad, right? And it's easier to do that than like change your whole life around, yeah. you know? And then the other thing is like, harm reduction is the official policy of San Francisco, uh, like public health policy. But the uh, the treatment access to get to get a treatment bed those programs. Uh, those programs takes takes, takes about two months. Yeah. Like the average waste time is about two time, months. And by that time, it's like, oh, like fuck that. Yeah. And then also you need to check in with them like routinely, and you need to call your case manager at this yeah. time every day. You know, like there's a lot of hoops people have to jump through, and you're right. Sometimes it's just easier to just go score a bag. You know. Yeah. So, um, I think like being intentional about like meeting people where they're at yep. and then trying to get them to another place, I think should be the, the policy instead of just seeing how bad we can punish people until they like figure and, out you know, like, that, that all never right, really you got me, yeah. you know, so that's kind and of I guess, I but you do have, so you, you, I feel like you have, uh, 
examples on both sides of like carrot working yeah, and yeah. stick working. Yeah, yeah. Like you look at somewhere like Singapore. Oh yeah. Which just has like the death sentence yeah, and like yeah, there's yeah. no one using over there. Right, right. right. Yeah. But then you look at places like I know like Th Thailand or like other Southeast Asian countries that have similar policies mm -hmm. and it's still like fairly rampant. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, 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 it's almost like, it, I, I feel like you also have to just like look at the, it's like hard to look at one, like another country and like yeah. die, like say like, oh, this worked there. So it will work here. But like, you have to like look at also like the cultural differences between yeah. two areas are, they're not going to be necessarily uh, one to one. You're right. And actually, I was just talking about somebody who I was just talking to somebody who was working in Singapore. They were saying, um, you know, Singapore, the overwhelming majority of its housing is public housing. If you're not constantly thinking about survival, yeah, you can live your life with, you know, with human dignity. You've been working in, in this for like a while. Uh -huh. What do you think was like a misconception you had about homelessness? Um, coming into it and then like what do you think is like one of the the biggest takeaways or like biggest learning lessons that if someone were to see like this video or just you know see videos of San Francisco yeah. or just hear things about homelessness like what do you think you would want just people in general to understand about homelessness that you now understand yeah so when I first started working in the Tenderloin with um, homeless people um, I think that I was approaching or my mindset was like this is this is exciting that i'm gonna get to help save homeless people and because of my studies um you know i'll be able to to tell them what the solution is and then and then you know i i'll be i'll be a hero yeah <laughs> but uh what i learned and what I understand now is that, like, you know, your housing status doesn't, like, doesn't reveal as much about you as, like, I think the, a lot of the general public um, assumes. And by that, I mean, you know... It's not your identity. Yeah, right? And it's like, at the Coalition on Homelessness, like, the way that, like, what informs our campaigns is doing outreach and talking to homeless people who know what the solutions are, right? Like, they know what solutions are needed, you know, to, to change their community, right? So it's like, like, for example, one of the things that we're working on is water access, right? It's something that people don't think about. Not everyone needs a blanket, right? Like, not everyone needs, like, you know, a, a dollar or two dollars so they can get a, a bite to eat or something like that. It's like, you know, these like really systemic changes are taken from like the leadership of homeless people in their community because they, they have real communities and, and they uh, understand what they need and they understand the needs of their community. And right. so like asking what you need right. is probably more important than here you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In communities where there's a lot of homeless people are the leaders of like the advocacy for their change uh, for the change in their community is like it's more important than trying to be you know the savior uh, of of poor folks thank you so much for listening if you haven't already make sure to subscribe 
rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our audio editing team lead is Ashley Jimenez with support from Jessica Morales, Miley Lipton, Siyu Pan, Kenny Ray, Josie Yo, Matt Fernandez, and Merritt Hill. Our outreach and research team lead is Desiree Nunez with support from Marissa Granados, Monica Lee, Sarah Tiersma, and Yao Luo. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.